Please be seated. I want to take as my text this morning that reading from the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 7 through 7, uh, verses through, verses 7 through 11. Uh, if you're making use of the uh, Pew Bible, you can find that text on page 856. The prophet Ezekiel chapter 33 and beginning at verse 7, which I'd like us to look at again. Ezekiel chapter 33, page, 580, page 856, beginning at verse 7. And so God says to the prophet, referring to him as the son of man. And so you, son of man, I have made watchmen for the house of Israel. And whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall speak, you shall give them warning from me. And if I say to the wicked, wicked one, you shall surely die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way. That wicked person shall die in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way and he does not turn from his way, that person will die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. And you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, my people, thus you have said, surely our transgressions and our sins are upon us and we rot away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. And so turn back, turn back from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? This morning I want to talk about the mercy of God. The mercy of God. Indeed, God is merciful. We read about that in the New Testament. We read about that in the Old Testament. In fact, in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4, we read that God is rich in mercy. Or in the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, Psalm 100 and verse 5, we read that the Lord's mercy is everlasting. And so God is merciful. And the first thing I'd like us to notice from our text is that because God is merciful, he warns us about the consequence of our sin. Indeed, notice again verses 7 and 9. And so you, Ezekiel, son of man, I've made you a watchman for my people, the house of Israel, and whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. And if I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die. And you do not, Ezekiel, you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way. That wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, that person will die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. And so because God is merciful, he warns us about the consequences of our sin. And the way in which he delivers this warning is by means of his appointed watchman, as he's called. 
And God's watchman in this case is the prophet Ezekiel. Now in ancient times, a watchman was uh, someone who stood on the city wall or in some other strategic location like in Jerusalem, but probably watchmen on the hills that surround Jerusalem, looking out for anyone or anything that, uh, that might be approaching that might pose a threat to those who are living in the city. And so the jobs, the watchman's primary job was to watch and issue a warning when needed to those living in the city that they might respond accordingly and live. Now the prophet Ezekiel wasn't a literal watchman. He wasn't positioned on the city wall or on some other at some other strategic point. Rather, Ezekiel, because it's a metaphor, Ezekiel is God's spiritual watchman. Not watching with his eyes, but as is described here, listening with his heart for the voice of God and giving voice to God's warning when directed to do so. And what we learn in our text is that God warns everyone Indeed, God not only warns the people, but he even, you may have noticed this, he warns the watchman. Indeed, notice again and listen for that. And so you, son of man, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. And whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning for me. And if I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die. And you, Ezekiel, do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way. That wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, that person will die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. And so Ezekiel was God's watchman to speak on God's behalf, to give voice to God's warning, not speaking on his own behalf, but speaking on God's behalf as a messenger, which is what a true prophet does. Speaking on God's behalf, not his own. In fact, speaking on one's own behalf is what false prophets do, even though all the time they're saying it's a word from God. But a true prophet speaks on God's behalf and that whatever he hears from God. And whether anyone listens or not. The listening doesn't make it true. The listening doesn't make it from God. In fact, in this third chapter of the prophecy to Ezekiel, we read this, God speaks to Ezekiel, chapter 3 and verse 11, and go to your people, Ezekiel, and speak to them and say, thus says the Lord, and that whether they listen or refuse to listen. And God warns Ezekiel, if I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die. Which is an interesting statement, by the way. You shall surely die. Do you remember ever hearing that before in your Bible reading? Maybe in one of those years when you decided I'm going to read the Bible through in a year. I bet you made it to the second chapter of Genesis. Before you got back bogged down in Leviticus or some other thing. In March of that year. 
If I say, Ezekiel, if I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die. And I say it's an interesting statement because it's the same statement, you shall surely die, that God said to Abraham, or, or Adam right, in the garden. And notice, you shall surely die. It's a, it's a, it is in the form of an oath. It says to say, I promise you, if you do this, you will surely die. So we read in Genesis chapter 2, beginning at verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And so Ezekiel, if I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die. In fact, the Apostle Paul says the same thing. In his letter to the Romans, many, many centuries later, saying that the wages of sin is what? Death. Death, separation from God. In the day you do it, you shall surely die. And so God warns Ezekiel, if you say, if I say to the wicked, Ezekiel, I tell you to tell them. I say to them, O wicked one, you shall surely die. And you, Ezekiel, do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity as it happens, unwarned. Because you didn't do what I told you to do. And his blood I will require at your hand. That's a warning. That is to say, Ezekiel, I will hold you responsible for his death. Verse 9, but if you, if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, as I'm telling you to do, and he does not turn from his way, that is, he refuses to change, he refuses to listen, that person will die in his iniquity, just as I said, you shall surely die, having been fully warned, <laughs> but you will have delivered yourself. That's all you have to do, Ezekiel. You don't, look, you, you can't, Ezekiel. You can't open hearts. You can't change people's minds. Your job is to speak on my behalf. Let the chips fall where they may, where they listen or not. That's between you and me. I'm the message giver and you're the messenger. I'm supposing that this was a passage that the Apostle Paul had in mind when he said the following to the leaders of the churches in Ephesus, as it's recorded for us in Acts chapter 20. You may be familiar with it. Acts chapter 20, beginning at verse 26, and the Apostle Paul said, And therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. I did what God called me to do. I said what God has already said and anything else that he might have told me directly because I'm an apostle. He spoke to me and I spoke to you. And therefore I am free and innocent of the blood of anyone who might die because they sinned against God. This reminds me of something that James, the apostle James wrote in his letters. It relates to the life of the, of the prophet in James chapter 5 and beginning at verse 10, he says, And as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider them blessed 
who remained faithful. And so God even warns the watchman, his prophet, Ezekiel. And as we see in our text, God also warns those whom he sent. Those to whom he sent his watchman to warn. Indeed, he says, and if you do weakness, you shall surely die. You know, it's interesting, or not, notwithstanding how intimidating or otherwise off-putting it might seem, a warning is a good thing. You know? A warning is a good thing. Um, in fact, by mere definition, to warn is to inform in advance of a problem of, or some impending danger, usually with the intent of sparing or delivering us from it. Now, I don't know about you, but personally, I, I, I very much appreciate a warning. I really do. I love those little red lights on the dashboard. Because I know if they weren't on the dashboard to run, to, to, to shine red, I'd get stuck somewhere. In fact, Linda and I, or Linda was there longer last week, or, and the week before was in um, Arizona and, and going through her mother and father's things now that both her father and mother are gone, and her mother passing away just this last June. And then uh, I flew out, and then we got a Suburban because we couldn't get a van and whatever. We needed a big vehicle to bring s stuff home. Um, and when we, we got back uh, on Thursday evening, I m went and moved our cars out of the driveway. Um, and, uh, and then I noticed uh, after I moved m my Honda that there was oil on the driveway. Now, that car doesn't leak like that. But that was a warning. Warning Will Robinson, <laughs> there, is a, there is a problem here. And so the next day, I took it into the shop, and sure enough, we found out what the problem was and got it corrected. Right? Well, I'm, I'm glad for that warning. And other warnings, they come in different forms. Um, and and a warn, when a warning is issued, I listen. And I ask myself, does this apply to me? Is this something that I have to, to, to do? And so the warning comes to the prophet. The warning comes to those to whom the prophet is sent. And a warning is a good thing. And God warns because God is merciful. <laughs> and so that's the first thing. Because of God's mercy, he warns us about the consequence of our sin. Secondly and lastly, God is, because God is merciful, he wishes us well. He wishes us well. Now, because we're sinners and God is displeased with sin, we might assume that God doesn't wish us well. But he does, which is something to keep in mind. Indeed, notice again verses 10 and 11. And you, son of man, Ezekiel, my prophet, say to the house of Israel, thus you have said, this is what you've said, house of Israel, my people, surely our transgressions and our sins are upon us and we rot away because of them. How then can we live? Verse 11. But you, Ezekiel, my watchman, my prophet, you say to them, as I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, 
but that the wicked turn from his way and live. And so turn back, turn back from your evil ways. For why will you die? O house of Israel. And so because God is merciful, he wishes us well. But because of our sin, we may assume that there's no hope for us, even as people at Ezekiel's day thought and imagined that their doom, our doom, is inevitable and unavoidable. No hope. Indeed, that's what appears to be the sentiment expressed in, in verse 10. Surely our transgressions, <laughs> that is our rebellion and our, our sins are upon us, or as Peterson puts it in the message, our rebellion and our sins are weighing heavy upon us. Have you ever felt that before? The weight of sin, the feeling of guilt, that's what they were feeling. And then they go on very descriptively. And we rot away. We waste away because of them. And so how can we live? Or in the New Living Translation, how can we survive this? This is a description of the seeming enduring presence of sin and the, the weightiness of guilt and, and the suffering that sins produces these destructive effects we waste away. And many people stop there. They're aware of the destructive effects of their sin. They may even regret it, which seems to be the case here. But they don't turn from it. They don't repent. And so they remain stuck where they are. Interestingly, someone has written, repentance is about life change. Regret, on the other hand, is about sorrow for the result of my sin. In particular, sorrow for how, how negatively sin has affected the quality of my life. But regret, no matter how intense it may be, seldom leads to life change. Indeed, only repentance can do that. Where someone else has written, regret is not a spiritual accomplishment. There's people do that in church. Oh, I just feel so bad. Well, maybe you should feel bad. I don't know. But don't imagine that, that that was the point. So we said what we did or we read what we read or God said what he said so you'd feel bad. God is not a masochist. Or, or I should say a, a, a satist. Regret is not a spiritual accomplishment. Judas felt regret. And then he died in his sin because he was unwilling to repent. <laughs> but God offers us more than that. And the point is not to feel guilty. The point is to change. Indeed, God offers us more. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord's plans to prosper you. And not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Indeed, God is merciful and he wishes us well. 
Say to them, verse 11, as, as I live, as surely as I live, O people of God, as surely as I am the living God and I am, you can take it to the bank. Say to them, as sure as I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. That is, God takes no pleasure in people dying in their sins, unrepentant, like, oh, now I got them. He takes no pleasure in that. Indeed, quite the contrary, God rejoices when we turn from our sin and turn to him. In fact, you, that may sound familiar to you. In fact, it's very much a part of the New Testament. In Luke chapter 15 and verse 7, Jesus says, and just so, Jesus says, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and says, Lord, I'm going the wrong way, and now I want to go the right way. <laughs> I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who think they need no repentance. And so God continues through his watchman, the prophet Ezekiel, verse 11. And so he says to the people through the prophet, turn back, turn back from your evil ways. Or as Peterson puts it in the, in the message, turn your life around and reverse your evil ways. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways. For why will you die? Why, why? Oh, house of Israel. Or if you like, why die in your sin when you don't have to? When God's plan for you is good. Indeed it was Moses who said. And we read in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19. I have set before you this very day. Life and death. Blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life. Someone has written. God is in the recycling business. He willingly takes that which has been wrecked and wasted and discarded in our lives and remakes them into something new and beautiful and useful. And this God, God does because what? He's merciful. And God is speaking this morning. He's calling. Indeed, He's calling you if you... And speaking, if you have ears to hear. And so I wonder if you're hearing him, if you'd answer. If you'll turn. If you'll change. As someone has written, things change. When I change. The mercy of God. Let us pray. We're only here a little time. For those of us who are older, perhaps we know that to be true even more than others who might give mental assent to it. But time flies. As I was saying to somebody who just turned 15, I've been 15 four times. I wonder how many 15s I got left, Lord. 
And then comes the age to come, and it lasts forever, and I'll be somewhere in it. All of us will. So what am I doing now that will affect that? And what am I doing now that will affect the here and now? How, am I, how, 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 how will I expect to look you face to face? Depending on how I'm living now. You love us, you're merciful, you're gracious, you're faithful, you're kind. You're patient with us. What other kind of God would we give our whole self to that isn't just like you? And so, Lord, thank you in your mercy that you warn us we need to be warned. And then you remind us that you have a wonderful plan and that you wish us well. Lord, give us the grace to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as you've commanded us, our neighbors, ourselves, that you might be pleased and that we might be pleased with you and that we might prove both to ourselves and you that we belong in your kingdom <laughs> because we belong to you. Help us to do it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.